Hello, hello. Welcome back to our podcast. Who reads these days? This is Rachel. And this is Gregory. Duke. Duke. (laughs) And this week we are discussing um, Get in Trouble by Kelly Link. Uh, Greg has his hands in his face just groaning. I don't want to talk about this, which sounds like a really productive podcast beginning. If we're going to talk about it for an hour, I hope we don't talk about it for a full hour. Okay, do you want to summarize it very quickly? Mm-mm. What? Just like use your your brain. No, no sources. I can't. I can't use the book. No sources. Just be like quick words. Kelly Link. Slipstream. A MacArthur Genius Grant recipient, Pulitzer Prize finalist. I don't know. Was she finalist for this? Yeah. This lo- this lost to the sympathizer. Oh, good. Oops. I- <laughs> wow. I mean, okay. I want to say I did not hate it. I also didn't finish it. But out of the months I read, some are okay. You didn't even say what the book is. Some what is some? Oh, you didn't say what it is. Well, we, we know from last time. I guess if people aren't following along, uh, Get in Trouble is just a, a short story collection. It's just a short story collection, it's- in Rachel's words. <laughs> and it's kind of like... You just cheated. Rachel just told me that I can't look at the I book. I can't look at it. I'm not using it. And she it. just literally peered at the book in order to figure it's out like how to describe like it. It's kind of like slipstream, like kind of like magical realism, a or little slip bit. Stream. Search it up. Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia is. But yes, it's a short story collection of uncanny, sometimes fantasy, sometimes magical realist. Sometimes they're more mundane than others, but all of them try to make kind of the magical into the mundane as part of the whole kind of concept. And a lot of the... Stories revolve around magical themes. into the mundane or mundane into the magical. Magical is the mundane, but also mundane into the magical. They no. think the first book, Summer People. No. Yeah. No. They're literally in the middle of nowhere. Their yeah. lives is that are magical? mundane. Yes. Oh my gosh! So the first character. Don't talk about really... it yet. Don't talk about it yet. You're a mess today. Fran. Fran was in the middle of nowhere. Don't talk about it yet. We're talking about the description of the book. I'm just saying that your description is not doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just go. Keep going. I want to talk to you. Oh just go. Oh my gosh. This is really going go. well. I mean, I guess the main thematic consistency throughout it is a lot about identity, relationships, and every and love. The yeah, human universals. So I just want to say, like, we were pretty hyped a little bit because there were some good blurbs for this book. Like, people were praising it. Jeff Vandermeer said, beautifully written. With light and light, lightness balanced against darkness and hidden depth. Wait, give me the book, Rachel. I want to see if there are other names. Wait, other I names. know there are, but you can read the one in the back. But I want to read the no, Karen Russell one because her, her heart is close to me. <laughs> I'm, she's close to my heart. Karen Russell. Her heart Karen is Russell. close to me. That is so scary. Stop. <laughs> her physical beating heart well, you know what? is close to it's me. It's the vein of Kelly Link. That's what she would do. Wow. Karen Russell says, Kelly Link is the author whose books I would take to the proverbial desert island because her books are dream oases, etc., etc. Get in Trouble offers further proof that she belongs on every reader's bookshelf. Every reader's bookshelf. There were other ones as well. I think it was... What's the one in the back? Sarah Waters. Neil Gaiman. Look, Look at the Neil Gaiman one. Okay. Neil Gaiman says... The most darkly playful voice in American fiction, a national treasure. Sarah Waters, who is one of the most famous current working historical fiction or literary historical fiction authors, who's also, I think, one of like the major lesbian writers, says Link's Why did she used to be a writer? She literally writes lesbian themes into like all of her books. It's like part of the allure of her fiction. 
She's like literally an activist. Yeah, essentially. She's literally, a, she's literally an activist. <laughs> she's literally an activist. She says, Link's stories are always a treat, and Get in Trouble contains some of her best writing yet. Richly imagined, intellectually teasing, these are not so much small fictions as windows onto entire worlds. A brilliant, giddying read. But then we go beyond like historical fiction or fantasy or weird fiction or whatever writers. We even get Yi Yun Lee. Oh, yes. Who is really working. A lot of her writing is, like, highly experimental, like, in concern and her form. And she's, like, a leading professor of creative writing and fiction in this country. She is. No, I'm... I, well, I know she's <laughs> a leading professor, but... Rachel's making these faces if what I just said is crazy. Because I've read some of her short stories, and I don't remember them being highly experimental. But I guess some you of them... You have not read Where Reasons End, I guess. Her actual, like, long fiction. I'm coming for you. This means you haven't read her. I am just... Uh, her, her book where she deals with the suicide of her son and her book about depression that she faced, heavy and experimental in tone. It's a lot. They're very cold. But it, she says, every one of the stories in this collection is like a one-of-a-kind jack-in-the-box. We turn the crank expecting the laughter, the surprise, the rearrangement of themes familiar to our ears from ages ago, and the turning brings us all those joys. But wait. Wait until the box pops open. Out comes not Jack nor the weasel, but our own exposed hearts. We're bringing back the heart. How does Kelly Link understand our pains and longings and memories and even our future so well? And how does she make us go back to the next Jack in the Box again and again with hope and dread and determination to know life better, to live differently? Kelly Link is a national treasure. I just have to say, she's not a national treasure. Me slurring that was a lot. I emailed Yun Lee and she never responded. <laughs> Yeah. Why? Why did you email her? I said, hey, Ian Lee, um, you're such a great writer. I really loved your short stories, and they really resonated with me. And I named a few and talked about it, and I never got a response. Not even a secretarial response? No. This was in high school. I was offended. That's really embarrassing for you. Not for her, though. Thank you. Again, she's not a national treasure. I feel like I'm missing out on, on what? something. This book? I mean, I just don't get why it's a national treasure. I mean, I don't hate it to the extent that you do. But she's not a national treasure. I did give it 1.5 stars. And I don't think it, like, I think that's very subjective. I think because there's clearly talent. And I think some of the ideas are really smart. But I also just found it so tedious to read where I would consistently lose interest while reading the stories. And it wouldn't be like, oh, I hate what I'm reading. It's just like such an immensity of neutrality. And I find that more annoying than feeling harsh emotions by hitting a book. Because at least then I get some semblance of narrative tension, but it's like a self-pitying tension. But I couldn't even feel that. I just felt like, wow, this has com- this is compulsory because we've assigned this to ourselves. That's true. But you didn't even finish it. Yeah, I mean, I felt neutrality for one of the... Oh, sorry, so how many are there? One, two, nine. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there's nine short stories, um, and I think I read four or five and I felt neutrality for like maybe one of them disliked one of them which was Valley of the Girls couldn't even finish it and then one of my liked new boyfriend but was confused about which I want to talk about with you and then the summer people I did like and I can see right through through you it was okay so all in all mm, I liked I I can see right through you more than you okay I will I think I just I just don't understand where all this high praise is coming from, what the Pulitzer board is seeing that we're not seeing. The fact that it almost beat the sympathizer, it was up to almost They're beat totally it. They're totally different levels. Like, it's, that's confusing to me. 
like the sympathizer is much better. it's not even like a favorite book but it's like yeah, clearly better it is working on a different level and also that's a debut novel this is like her third or fourth short story collection wow. which i do think it is harder to win an award with a short story collection because it is so much easier to make mistakes in a novel and have people not care yeah, that's exactly what um Three, two, one. Juno Diaz. (laughs) Well, I just think it's not even just like, oh, you need to have a perfect short story. I just think that, because you can have a messy short story. I guess it also depends on the length of the story. I just think with a novel, you can literally have like a terrible scene. And if by the end you've done enough good, you can have a net positive. Right, well, just because, I mean, I feel like a short story is obviously so much shorter there is less really, room to make mistakes. You can really just describe like if you a make a story. mistake, people are gonna remember that. And it's gonna affect like the entire story. Whereas in the novel you can't have it be really messy. Like we've read very messy novels and still liked it in its whole, aka real life. <laughs> um, by Brandon Taylor, but it's still good. I'm sorry you didn't say a little life. Speaking of lives. Okay, that so book is a mess. I wanna talk about the new boyfriend, which is her... Why would you start with that? This one I just finished. Okay. There's just like the idea behind this is that you can purchase these boyfriend figures, capital B boyfriend, and there's like the ghost boyfriend, the vampire boyfriend. What else? What other boyfriend? Those are the only two I care about. Well, there's one more. Um, and they just will say things like "I love you" or they'll dance with you, and that's kind of it. And I just can kiss it as well. But you can turn it you on and kiss off. Kiss it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so this girl Emmy uh, really wants her rich friend Ainsley's boyfriend, her ghost boyfriend. Because she's jealous. Yeah, she's really jealous of like all Ainsley has because Ainsley's everything she wants, and she, also she just really wants like the boyfriend. Which boyfriend is it? Does she? Does she the have ghost. A vamp- the ghost boyfriend that she wants. Emmy gets. When do they ever get a vampire boyfriend? Why am I forgetting this? Well, Ainsley has three like boyfriends. Yes, okay, that's what I was forgetting. Yeah. Yes. And then the one that Emmy wants is the vampire is the ghost boyfriend. And you can turn on two modes. One is spectrality and one's like embodied. And so the spe- spectrality one is just like it's like an actual ghost where like if you touch it, it'll go right through you and it can kind of haunt you. So like, you know, Ainsley will be sleeping, it'll be like floating above her. See, that is her. funny. Yeah, and then she'll be, like, doing work, and then it'll be, like, below the table or something. And so this kind of, like, creeps Ainsley out, and she kind of turns it off, but Emmy really wants her. So she ends up stealing the ghost boyfriend, who she puts, like, a lock of hair into, and then under his, like, tongue, and then uh, makes out with him in a storage, like, unit. And one day he, like, bites down on her hand. And she's like, oh, crap, this is not it. And kind of returns the boyfriend. And that's the end. And I'm just confused by that story. Like, I enjoy reading it, but, like, what what else is there? That she returns the boyfriend? Yeah. I mean, not the summary part. I just meant, like, what's missing? What am I missing from the story? Meaning-wise? Like, like, I'm missing something. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it have, have to have a meaning. But I'm, I'm grasping for, like, Well, what do you think it means? Um, it sucks when people are, are rich. <laughs> and you're not. I mean, I think there's also a part of it of kind of the idea of teenage girls latching latching onto these kind of monstrous boy beings that are frequently, I don't know, like Twilight and these like characters that are like known monsters, but then we kind of make it into like supernatural or super 
paranormal romance and then like it's a huge demographically teen girl infatuation and then she has access to it finally after all this time and she's kind of getting what she wants but then there is like actual like violence quote-unquote I guess in that moment of like what an actual like monster of that sort would do and this like breaks the conception that she has projected onto this product as to like its expectations but is it the violence that shocks her or i think the shock comes when she goes to the storage unit and she sees him talking to this other ghost which is real the real ghost yeah I so i feel like that's kind of the shock because she expects it to be like a a product a real boyfriend a, like a fake boyfriend a real boyfriend no, like you're saying that it has a life of its own. That's the shock. Yeah. So it's not like just a product to that right. point. Like it's a th- it's a thing. It's an entity. Yeah, but I think that also goes with it. Expectations versus reality, which I think is very boring. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a double thing happening where she kind of believes that they're having real conversations and believes it when he's like, I love you. Be mine. You're all, you're all I want to be with. You're, you're the only person I want to be with. And then she sees him talking to someone else, and she's, and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought the story was, it was missing, it was just interesting to read, but I feel like it lacked any sort of depth. I'm not going to fight with you on that, because I don't want to ever reread it. <laughs> I do find a lot of them pretty vacuous. Were there any that you would want to reread? I guess the summer people. Maybe the second one? What is it called again? I can see, I can right, see right through, through you. Dot, dot, dot. To be continued. Am I supposed to ask the question? I, I was just talking about it. You have to answer as if you just heard me say. What I just said is that I might reread the second one. So would you reread the second one? I think I I don't know. <laughs> yes? <laughs> I take it back. If I said that seconds ago, I'm forgetting what wow. I said. New day, new you. <laughs> they don't know that. That's okay. Rachel. Okay, you let them know that we have multiple recording sessions. Well, this is a different day. We're trying to make it seem <laughs> seamless, and it's not working. Just as a complete side note, a little BTS moment, a little behind the scenes. The audio probably sounds different, because we just realized that yesterday we just were not <laughs> using the microphone that we have and we were sitting here for maybe five minutes thinking why, no matter how close we put the mic to Rachel's mouth, she always sounds distant. And we found out that we were just using the microphone in my laptop and not the microphone we have that has the better sound quality. Yeah, that was, that's why, well, last episode, I was so quiet and you were so loud. Oh my gosh. That's so troubling for us. It's a very and simple process. that was editing too. Like I edited my voice to be louder too. <laughs> oh my god. I had a phone microphone the whole time. What a performance. I, mean, I think it worked the first week. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. What are your thoughts on the second story? Is it memorable? Are you interested? Are you intrigued? Would I, you reread it? I literally didn't remember it until I went to like the first page. And I was like, oh, like, what is this about? And it's a good one. <laughs> With the demon lover, aka the two celebrities, and the nudist colony, yeah, but mainly revolving around these two kind of celebrity figures a human woman and a demon, and they have sex in a movie, but they're not, she's not really a demon, she just plays the demon. Well, she plays with that, yes, she's playing that's the game where he 
is probably not actually a demon, but Kenneling writes him as if he is a demon. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting commentary on like celebrity too, and how a lot of people just blur the lines between celebrities, what the, the roles they play, and their actual personhood. Because there's one scene in which they have a threesome with this random girl that walks into their party, and then it's going well, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, can you bite me? Because in the TV show, whatever they do, like, you know, he bites her because he's a vampire or a demon or whatever he does. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, sweetie, that's <laughs> the, the rule. This is not real life. <laughs> And she would not, like, let it go. She's like, bite me, bite me. And so they're like, you have to go. Like, go. And so she <laughs> leaves, comes back through the window or something, and, like, has slashed both her wrists, and it's bleeding. <laughs> and she's like... I forgot that yeah. <laughs> You sound crazy. I don't remember that. And she slashed her wrists, and she's like, suck the blood. Yes. No, I do remember that. And they're like, sweetie, what? And they and they call the hospital. They're like, help this girl. And this is kind of sad, but like she ends up killing herself like that night because she had, had had multiple suicide attempts before and then finally succeeded like after, shortly after that. And it's just crazy because like, you know, it's kind of throughout these, the story, just um, the, the blurring between, you know, the roles we play and who they actually are. And that's kind of the epitome of the issues we faced in the short story. So true. <laughs> so true. I can't disagree. That seems like a pretty strong thesis. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy when you think about, like, people seeing, like, I don't know, Katy Perry or something, and, like, hyperventilate and crying. You think, like, Katy Perry, Katy That's Katie you. I, well, I love her, but I wouldn't, like, hyperventilate and cry. Maybe I'd hyperventilate, but maybe. <laughs> but I wouldn't cry. Why would you hyperventilate before crying? Wouldn't you cry? No, I'd be like... And then possibly hyperventilate? Like, isn't... Isn't hyperventilating, though, like, crazier on the hierarchy versus crying? Well, I feel like it takes a lot to cry. And not to hyperventilate? Yeah. You see somebody that you like, know of because they're celebrity and you go, <laughs> just, like, casually. That's, like, the immediate response people have. Why not? Someone that you love? Someone you look up to? You're going to see Oprah, like, walking to Whole Foods, and you're going to start hyperventilating. You're like, this is my normal response to isn't seeing that, another human being. how people just see celebrities and have such a reaction, and they don't even know who you are? The parasocial relationship. I do kind of love that about that story. No, I don't. Oh, what? <laughs> I take it back. I think love is too strong a word for anything that I read in this book. Wow. I... I, it was something I liked more than other things um, in the kind of way that she makes a movie role into the person's identity. Like, he plays the demon, and then he's defined as the demon, and so he assumes the role both in and out of the media that he's a part of. And I think that's a really, like, kind of funny, interesting way to go about, like, what you were talking about before, the distinction or lack of distinction between the person on screen and the human being that is not playing a role and how much of it is a performance even when there's no reason to perform even if it's not even at the behest of the performer i usually think that's interesting but then i think about it and i think where do we go from there yeah i kind of just ended there it's just like celebrity <laughs> it's a thing i think it's kind of my issue with these stories in general i know that before slash before meeting yesterday <laughs> um 
we talked about them as being vacuous. I think it's what makes it kind of sad for me. And what makes me really curious about it. How much her industry buddies were paid for their blurbs. <laughs> because so many of the stories feel like they're scraping at something sometimes, depending on the story. But they don't go anywhere. Do you think they were paid? I imagine some of them were. Is she really friends with every single person? I doubt it. Well, maybe they were, she wasn't friends, but they saw it and they were like, oh, this is so good. I have to comment. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how blurbs work. It's so hateful to say, but, like, really, how did this get a Pulitzer Prize finalist slot? That is confusing. Okay. I think we wouldn't think it's such a bad book if... If it didn't have the hype. If it was so hyped up through the blurbs and through the Pulitzer Or in general, exactly. People love Kelly Link. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why? That should be the name of our podcast title. People love Kelly Link. Why? Why? Yeah, exactly. It's just, I'm so confused. I feel like I'm in an alternate realm. I feel like I'm reading a different book. Like it was misprinted in audio form since I took it as an audio book. In the audio book, it was actually really fun because every single story had a different narrator. And for the one, um, the new boyfriend, <laughs> I don't know what her name was. I'm so sorry to my audiobook queen. No, no, the narrator. Oh. Not the character. I'm so sorry to my audiobook narrator queen. She put on the funniest... No. Not in this case, because this woman put on the funniest voice. She put kind of a little teenage girl vibe. So she was talking like this the whole time. It was so (laughs) weird. Because it was so obnoxious where I was just confused. Because all the (laughs) other eight... All the other eight sounded like they're doing their normal voices. She's like a grand old job reading. And she did a great job reading, but she put on, maybe that's her voice. And like, no hate. No hate to her, but it seemed like an affectation to be younger. But like the Summer People was read by clearly someone that was not like 15 or however old the characters are. They're in high school or something. That's funny. Yeah, so really, that threw me off. Well, I didn't read an audiobook form. I read it in the textual book form and okay the word is print print form the textual book form (laughs) the text and it was still obnoxious a letdown (laughs) a colossal letdown let's talk about the summer people okay what are your thoughts on the summer people um first story best story I really trying to think. Could there's other stories in it? Um, there's the lesson, which is oh, that was so confusing. You just asked me about the first story. <laughs> I know, but I'm trying to think of their. You said best story, and I was like, is it the best story? Which I think it is, but um, and I thought the lesson, and I was like, is that a good story? And then that ended up say, saying, here ended the lesson. I wanted to. Ugh. Oh, I wanted to die. Yeah. I wanted to die. It's. Ugh, it's true. I agree. What I don't even want to talk about that. What a terrible way to end a story. You have a title reference, plus you add on endeth. Endeth. Here endeth the lesson. What goes through <laughs> Kelly Link's head? Kelly Link's editor's head. As I was to say, her editor's head, and I don't know, all the people that had to read advanced readers' copies that left <laughs> comments. And no one said, I don't know about that one, Kelly. I don't know about that one. I don't know. I don't know. Who Also, who is the editor of this collection? Because who is compiling the actual order? I know that obviously with a lot of short story collections, there's a deliberate 
interest in the ordering, but obviously it's probably collaborative between the author and the editing team or the editor. Why would you put the strongest story at the beginning? It's a clincher, but then I, I hate everything let's else. Let's go best to worst. Yeah, okay. well, I don't know about no, that. It, it's not because I did. I did think that the there were a few near the end that were good. Like I wouldn't go that far. Two houses was interesting. Rachel, I just finished it like five days ago, and I don't remember what happens at all in that story. Like you would literally have to have a They're summary for me. It's the one that is like really Ew. dedicated to Ray Bradbury. No. Like, she is the daughter of Ray Bradbury. I know. Well, I do remember that. Anyway. So... <laughs> I just think, this is really difficult for me, honestly. I'm going to be... I think I just scratched myself. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it's really hard. Am I bleeding? <laughs> Can you concentrate? It's really hard to talk about this short story collection for me in any cogent, articulate eloquent manner yeah because i don't think it deserves our time because you don't have cogent thoughts oh that's hateful so who are the summer people sorry we've had listeners (laughs) that say that you're the disposable one (gasps) that was a one person that That shall not be named no you can't say that (laughs) sorry for the interruption hopefully that wasn't as piercing to your ears as it was to our hearts Um, (laughs) we screeched because a friend of ours was slamming, as you heard, knocking on the door. And then... You weren't expecting it at all. We were in the middle of our podcast moment. The exterior experience meant little to us. (laughs) And suddenly it became too real. And we were startled. so scary. You know what's funny? You know what's really funny? Is that... What is wrong with your book? Does it not say it? I guess it's not on the book. I guess that's scarier than a Kelly Link story. Because some people say that she writes horror. I would say they're dark. They're not like horror. Would you say they're darkly playful? We were had discussion I know, yesterday. but... I know. It just has to be redone. You know? I would say like the darkest for me so far was probably Summer People. The Valley of the Girls. Oh. He literally gets locked in a pyramid to well, die. I'm forgetting that story because it just doesn't exist in my head. Did you read most of it? Yeah. I only didn't read two stories. So, they're like doubles have sex with each other. So there's like an incest video? In Valley of the Girls? Yeah. I tell you, that story does not exist in my head. I, <laughs> I... <laughs> All I remember is like little like bubbles from the names. So annoying. So... This is a very different mode, but both of us are kind of struggling with even remembering basic plot points in some of these stories. So I want to ask a big question. Ooh, the question. Question. Kelly Link or Karen, Karen Russell. Russell? What kind of stupid question is that? I know, I know, I know, I know. Car- Kelly Link. True. No, I'm just Kelly Link, George Saunders, or Karen Russell? Karen Russell. George Saunders. Because why? Three, two, one. Lincoln Lincoln in the Bardo. But I'm thinking on a short story level, I mean. Oh, shoot. George Saunders. On a short story level, definitely George Saunders. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. You you boxed yourself in. The man who is kind of the um, male short story writer of our country right now. Doesn't he hate writing them? Yeah, he made a little joke about he was like, I, I hate writing these short stories. 
You really added the comedic leaning he, to your he, your statement of it. Joking too. That guy who like makes up his his stories and calls it nonfiction. David Sedaris. <laughs> yeah. That's not what happens. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, he said that he hyperbolized and he adds certain details, but it's based on fact on a certain level. No, no, no. There, he has fully made up whole, like, stories and events that have not happened. I thought there was, like, a middle ground. There, Some of it he will have an artistic, like, bent to it, but some yeah. of them he just, like, makes up. And then he puts in a collection and calls it nonfiction. And that's the whole, like, dilemma is that they're like, that's not ethical of you. Which I really don't care, but... If you're writing nonfiction like that, it's basically fiction. Yeah, I mean, it is. So, yeah. But he's like, it's not fiction. That's the whole dilemma. That's I mean, why I call him I mean, if you really think about it, it's like when someone writes a memoir, is that really nonfiction? Like, sure, I guess. But do you remember conversations that you had when you were seven years old? If you said yes, word I would for scream. Word. word for word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. I write down in my journal every day and then send those letters to my parents because I've been kidnapped by my landlord. What is the reference you're making? Pamela. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Stop making... Don't make Samuel Richardson a thing again. Again? It just hasn't happened on the podcast yet. Oh, I was talking about in-world history. <laughs> like in English language history. He's a big influence on Jane Austen, and we all read Jane Austen. Who's we? I do, though. I don't know why I said we that. We talked about it the other day. Is that I everyone... know, but people care about Jane Austen. It's like Hemingway. I don't like Hemingway. His influence is fun, though. Are you going to watch the PBS documentary? For Hemingway? Yeah, the new Ken Burns documentary. I will watch Becoming Jane. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not an answer. I love that. Why is Jane Austen like the one British author we all read in high school? Like when we, we have read that... Dickens. Okay, that was you. I didn't. A read lot Dickens. of people read Dickens. Okay, well, talking about universal experience, what does, what does everyone there, read? Austin. I don't know if you know, but because of our lack of equality of opportunity, we don't have a universal educational experience. But everyone, yeah, everyone reads Austen. I can like guarantee That's my not true. my right toe. By right toe. <laughs> You're wrong. Anyway, I... First of all, even if do, I am... Are you going to have a second of all? Or are you just saying first of all? <laughs> I do have a second of all, but first okay. of all, I want to say, because we all love Jane Austen, because we all read Jane Austen, it is... <laughs> there would be no Jane Austen without Mr. Samuel Richardson. Wait, pause. We all love Jane Austen, <laughs> because we all read Jane Austen. It's like, what is that? <laughs> So, therefore, there would be no Austin without Richardson. And that's why we must bring Richardson back into world history. Onto the world He's stage. not gone. The world stage. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to happen? Reprints? Like, what are you asking for? Sure, that'd be a first step. You've read three quarters of one book. And it's a good book. <laughs> for everybody Second that doesn't know, no, 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 wait. For everybody that doesn't know, Samuel Richardson is iconic. No, I don't want to say iconic because no one cares about him anymore. Unless I think you go into a PhD program, per se. But he is notable for writing two of kind of the first English novels. They're epistolary, so they're all in letters. And one of them is called Pamela, which Rachel is reading for fun right now, which I find, I don't know, something's wrong with you. So you just don't like epistolary novels. I hate That's them. your own bias. That's something wrong with you. 
not yes, but then Clarissa. Out. So Pamela is like five hundred pages. Clarissa, let's ramp it up a notch. Let's go sixteen hundred pages. And yeah, I'm not into it. But you know who was Professor Suzanne Taylor, who was studying post-colonial lit- literature. And then read Clarissa, and she was like, you know what? I'm going to switch to 18th century literature. So it's clearly iconic. It's clearly powerful. It, that doesn't mean it's iconic. It means that she thinks it's good. That doesn't mean it's iconic. Okay, this is not a discussion to be had, just because you cannot not say that Clarissa is iconic. Also, I was talking to um, Professor Whitus about your hatred of epistolary novels, and he was like, give that man... Frankenstein. I was like, he's read it. I liked Frankenstein, but it's also not... Or Dracula. Tra- Sorry, Dracula. <laughs> Frankenstein's better than Dracula. He was like... I also just read that, like, uh, last October or something. And I was like, oh, he's read Dracula. And he just didn't seem to hear that, because I said it two, <laughs> two or three times. And he was like, if he reads Dracula, it'll change his mind. Like, everyone loves Dracula. Dracula's That's a not true. to start for epistolary novels. Once he reads it, you'll hook him in. And I kind of was saying over and over, he's already read Dracula. And he didn't take that in. I also want to say that I think that book, like, also proves my dislike of the epistolary <laughs> oh format. Because, like, there's good content. Like, Bram Stoker's doing things in that book. But then, like, it's... I don't care. Like, if it's in a letter, they survived... Like, they're not dying in that moment. And it's like, I get it. It's a horror movie in that way of, like, everything's off screen. Everything's off the page. I don't care, honey. I don't. I don't care about... Then, because you're writing a letter, you have to have all this, like, characterization, this expository information that is not even tangential to what else is going on in the plot. And I'm just like, I don't care about these people enough. Cut the letters. It reminds me of the vibe when I was reading 1984 or whenever you're reading any section of a book where it says, um, it's in like normal non-epistolary form and it randomly has like a book within a book, but then that little subsidiary book section is in like italics and it's in like smaller font. That makes me sick to my stomach. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, um, it's always smaller. Guts in high school. Yes. Yes. When I see that. I feel unwell. And I think epistolary to me, when I see that date above that letter, I go, I'm going to forget it immediately. Maybe work through that. I just, I know I don't like it. I know I don't have to engage. If I read a book that's old that has it, I will engage. I, I enjoy Frankenstein. I thought Dracula was overall a good time. It wasn't that great, but it was fine. It was fun. Um, Liaison Don Giroux is a good, it's a good book. I also don't, don't think it, benefited from the letters a lot of the time but it also kind of did it wouldn't have worked otherwise but it's just not for me what about guernsey literary and potato pill pie society the fact that you can say that without stuttering every <laughs> time is amazing you love that book that was my first epistolary book and i was shook i was like whoa i didn't know books could do this whoa this is like <laughs> such a new invention alas i did not know about mr samuel richardson <gasps> an it, icon does daniel tafoe write in letters I don't think so. How would we know? Neither of us have read him. But that reminds me a lot of Kelly Link because she, of her epistolary short story. See, but that one worked for me. There isn't none. No, but... (laughs) Yes, it is. is No, there isn't. Yes, it is. Where? Where? Yes. The one with Zell. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Did you read the book? I did read it. Um, what is it called, though? I was trying to connect it back to... Secret Identity. Yeah, I was trying to connect back to Karen Russell. Secret I mean, Identity. <laughs> Kelly Link. 
<laughs> we are really struggling today. Slash yesterday, today, and now. A secret identity is kind of fun. I hated everything at the um, like Comic Con. Oh yeah. Thing. I'm not a sidekick. I'm not a sidekick. <laughs> it's like really stressing around. No, All the these superheroes. The only thing that interested me. The was... dialogue between Zell and her. Yeah. Was like, the okay, age gap. Is he gonna meet Zell? Is she gonna meet Zell? Is Zell gonna show up? Who is Zell? Yes. Comic-Con? I don't care. And even just like the fact that she was half using her sister's identity and the way that she hated herself yeah. in comparison to her sister, I was like, yes, yes. What is with the superheroes? Yeah. We get it. You know what superheroes do? Have secret identities. It's crazy. You know what they do? They put on a little mask, <laughs> they have a little subsidiary name. They, they have their little real identities, their super identities, and it's all performance. She was being followed by that one superhero for like the whole time at Comic-Con mm-hmm. or whatever it was called. That Zell, that Zell guy is a superhero. I mean, never figure out who it is. Yes. But, I mean, it was interesting because by the end... He's also a little English teacher. Right. Like that's his day job. But by the end, he, or not he, she goes back home and she's, if you're still writing Zell, and she's like, if you're still reading this letter, Zell... I'll be here when I'm 18. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was funny. I mean, a little worrying. I hope she grows and learns from that experience. And she's like, this is kind of gross. But at the same time, Zell doesn't know that she is 16. Yeah, this is not a grooming situation. And, until, like, when do you think he knows? Self-grooming? Because, like, did he show her up? Or did he know? No. Do you think he knew, like... I think she was getting curtailed the whole time. What do you mean? Because she had all the other encounters. I mean, for example, Zell doesn't know that she's 16, but then they're supposed to meet at the hotel. He gives her, like, the hotel key, and he, she goes to the room. His suitcase is there, so we're like, okay, we know that he's real and that we know that he's here. And they, they're supposed to meet at, like, you know, Lotus or whatever restaurant she's supposed to eat at, and he kind of stands her up. So do you think he came in then and he was like, oh... There's a 16-year-old girl at the table. Maybe I shouldn't go. Or does he realize later when she, you know, drinks two beers in his room, gets really drunk, throws up, and, there's, you know, he's there helping her, like, you know, vomit and stuff, and then he disappears, and he's totally gone the next day. Which we don't know whether it's Zell, because she says two hands, like, hold her hair back while she vomits. That was scary to me. But... That was spooky. It was not horror, though. Yeah. But I was just like, what if it's not Zell? Yeah, I mean, but probably is Zell, but... I would imagine. But, like, when do you think he finds out? That's what I'm curious about. When do you think he knows that he's been catfished? I mean, I was just going with the letter. Because, I don't know. Let's think about another book that we've read. It was Carson McCullers. You literally have a soldier that sees, like, a 12-year-old girl in a dress. 13. 13-year-old, Okay. A 13-year-old girl that's in a dress, and he goes, ooh, you're of age. <laughs> He's also super, super drunk. That's true. But, I mean, it's also just, like, a social issue, though, of, like, one, like, men infantilizing women yeah. slash wanting people to look younger, but also, like, teenage girls being perceived as older than they are, especially if she's performing like this. I don't know. I mean, it's possible. other people have no issue recognizing her age, though. I mean, I, I, believe, I believe that I buy it. I buy the the, the, the the Lotus sound. I don't know where I got the B sound from. But I buy that. But I also am not interested in that. I want to go with the letter vibe. You know, we've done nothing. Everything but talk about the summer people. <laughs> we've been talking around it. 
Um, the summer people. A metaphor for familial baggage, I guess, maybe? Rachel has her mouth agape. <laughs> no words coming out. Complete silence. I was like, is it a metaphor? It's pretty literal. <laughs> a her- group of, like, fantastical non-human beings in a home nearby her home in which she can't leave or else something bad will happen that possibly happened to her mother before she died. Like, I'm okay, not... we don't know if her mom died or not. That's true. She could just run she away. She ran away. But I'm not saying it's not heavy-handed or straightforward, but it's a metaphor regardless. Because, like, her mom literally leaves it to her, so it is literal baggage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I remember finishing the book and I was like, oh, I really like this. And I was like, okay, like, what, what should I think now? Like, what am I getting from the story? And then, Especially because and then I gave up. she transmits it to her friend. Not her friend. Okay, they're kind of friendly. We can't really say they're not friends. So what happens is she gets sick. She's this girl in the hall that she used Ophelia. to kind of be friends with. And she's like, hey, Ophelia, you're going to drive me home. And Ophelia's like, okay. Drives her home, takes care of her for kind of a few days. So nice. She's so nice. And then um, she introduces her to the summer people. And then Ophelia's like, oh, they're so friendly. And we think that they're just people who, you know, make cool, fantastical things. And we find out it's kind of sinister because they expect things in return. Like they, you know, they make you these cool things. But also you have to be at their beck and call. Otherwise, like bad things happen to Fran's head. So Ophelia's like slowly starting to realize that it's not as cool. And then... They end up in a situation where Philly is sleeping in the summer people's house to, like, you know, see her dream of, like, what she wants. And then Fran runs away, leaving Ophelia to deal with the summer people. So mean. And then you get kind of a montage of her after leaving. Yeah. And being, like, a young adult. And just thinking, like, oh, like, maybe one day I'll return. And we know she won't, but... You don't know that. I I feel like she won't. You know, you've escaped that. You're not going to go back. I just hope that Ophelia's able to pass it off to someone else. It reminds me of that horror movie, It Follows. Oh, yeah. But that was a metaphor for STIs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I really don't know what else I can say. I mean, it was, a cool, it was a cool reading it, a cool concept. I guess, like, I hope that baggage isn't the only thing. <laughs> I just think that consistently i think her concepts are interesting but then i find that they are not the conversation starters they purport to be i think that's kind of the dilemma where it's kind of like some of it's fun to read the conversation enders the conversation ender or like you kind of feel like you're at a dead end which maybe that's because we are just stupid people but i i just i don't think that's true could be never know i don't know we've read we've read things that are significantly harder than this Like, and I guess this sure could be hard to unpack, but at some point, no matter how much could be in the subtext, if it's not interesting to read on the surface, why would you feel required or interested in putting in the labor needed to unpack it? I don't. Will you ever read another Kelly Link book? Probably not. I agree. I think once she releases another short story collection, whenever that happens... I probably will succumb to the publishing industry hype. She will get like a 
New York Times book review. Well, it wasn't like you were about to read Kelly Link anytime soon before. I mean, she was on the back burner. She was like significantly low on the she priority was, list, but she, she was, was there. She was so much down on the back burner that she wasn't even on your want to read list on Goodreads. Yeah, it's true. She was on my want to reads list. Want to reads list? Want to read. I just think that if her profile, profile, if her profile comes up on like the New York Times book review or the New Yorker or something, and I see her pop up and it's like new collection after get in trouble, Pulitzer Prize finalist, get in trouble, I might read it because I am superficial. Oh, I would read a profile about her. No, no. I'm saying I would read the book because of the industry hype. That's something I realized in myself. It's like, I was, what was the book that came out last year that got, like, huge cred? The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. That was, like... I feel like you're alone in thinking that, because I feel like a lot of people I've talked to are like, oh, I really love The Vanishing Half. See, but the thing is that, keep in mind, I only read it, because I was like, it doesn't sound like it's on my alley. I hate to be that person, but this sounds like Passing by Nella Larson, and I haven't even read Passing, so I'd rather read Passing. But then everybody was like, oh. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's show-stopping. And then it was like a National Book Award longlister. I think it made the shortlist. No, did it? I think it's a lie. And it's a Pulitzer contender. Uh, stop. Yes. Like, it's a lot of people. It's up there with, like, Transcendent Kingdom by Gyasi. Those are the kind of the two big commercial releases that are getting all this credibility. And I read the, probably half of The Vanishing Half in a day because it's so readable. It's crisp. The prose is fine. But I was just so befuddled. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say confuddled. I don't think that's a word. I think I I made the loop and I, I got the right one. But I just, I don't know. I fall into this trap so they take in like that book content that is so insular and kind of cannibalistic where clearly publishing houses are paying for these marketing schemes for big releases. And I do eat it up. I wouldn't read another collection of short stories again if she released a new one. I would read a story, a, a novel, um, if it got like high praise. Oh, so you're one of those people. Because I just don't want to go through a whole short story collection again just because like, they are so hard to read if you don't like the author. Yeah. And especially because, I mean, for me, I usually like to read short story collections. I like to take my time with them because it's hard for me to read, like, back-to-back short stories because they're, like, such different, you know, plots and concepts. So you're, like, you know, immersed in them and then you're out of it and you get re-immerse yourself. And so, yeah, it doesn't have the same, like, continuity and flow of, like, a typical novel. I usually do, like, one a day. Unless I have, like, a deadline that I have to yeah. fulfill. But doing it, like, back-to-back, like, you read a short story and then you read another short story. And it piles up and they're not even good. <laughs> so would you recommend this book? What a befuddling question. No. I think this would be my first recommend of the podcast series. Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. Okay, let's choose a new book. Well, first of all, I actually have a question for you. What? I think since we've now read, I'm slurring. Since we've now read three books, what's your ranking thus far? Member of the Wedding, Bear, and way, way, way below. Get in trouble. I'm Bear, Member of the Wedding, 
and like Get in Trouble is one of the worst books I've read this year. Ooh. So I would say it's pretty low on the tone. Okay, you can't look. I'm not like. Barry's gonna manipulate, manipulate this bowl because he's really trying to get this one specific book. I wish we could have a live audience because it was my birthday two days ago, and I have a podcast birthday wish to just simply pick the book that I want to read in the next two weeks. And Rachel is disallowing it with all of her might. And I think it's egregious. I believe in equity. It's my birthday. In democracy. In life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can't look at the... I can't see anything. Okay. This is not helping me. What you do is you need to close your eyes. Otherwise, this will be, like, rigged. Close your eyes. I can't see any of it. Just close your eyes, please. And then just mix around. I don't know any of it. I'm scared. I... You have, like, a good shake. Okay. Your face looks so pained. Just choose one. Can I please just... Just choose one. Just choose one. Can I just pick the one I want? Just choose one. I don't want to pick the other two. Come on, let's go. I don't want to do... Please. I'm so scared for you. Lies people? No, give it to me. Give it to me. No, give it to me. Give it to me. Listen, what? give it to me because. Okay, you can't read shoes. You're reading July's people. I saw that. No, I didn't. I didn't pick that one. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. You can't lie to my face. I literally didn't. You literally did. It wasn't the Eileen Chang one. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It was July's people. Stop. You can just like randomly pick and choose. I literally picked it up again, Rachel. Oh was... my god. Rachel. You picked it up two times in a row. It's a sign. You need to stop. Rachel, Rachel. Gregory. Can we do an Instagram poll? I will be reading. You July's can't. People. I own it. It's my copy. Oh. You cannot take it from me right now. Wait, do you only have I one will... copy? Why would I own two? I mean, like. Is there, didn't I request one? You literally have it there, but Wait. it's so hideous. So, so, so you don't want to read it. So I will be reading it. A white man said that things haven't gone as well. Oh <laughs> I just really want to read The Piano Teacher. Can you please let us happen? Can you please let this happen? It's I'm begging you. It was up to you. No, it's not. It's random. I didn't choose anything. <laughs> I didn't choose anything. You literally chose. You picked it out of the bowl. You chose it. Wow. You're really gonna do this to me? Be a team player. I'm being a team player. What team player? They're both. They're all three good books. <laughs> Is that a sentence? Is that correct English? They're all three good books. I want to read any three because I'm a team player. I'm open. <laughs> My mind is open. Well, regardless. We'll be reading July's People by Nadine Gordimer, who is a Nobel Prize winning, Booker winning, feminist icon, one may say. And this is probably her most famous novel. It's super short. Some people say it's awful. Some people say it's incredible. And some people just don't care. And with that, I'm tragically going to have to read this book. I'm <laughs> not in the mindset. Like I'm not in the mindset. I'm not in the mindset. Give Nadine Gordon. Nadine Gordon. <laughs> yeah. Her due. 
I will give her her due. I'll fight myself. It's not that hard. You're being like a little petulant. Right I'm now. still in the mood for this. I really wanted the piano teacher. I couldn't tell. <laughs> and with that, thank you so much for listening. This wasn't our peppiest, preppiest, optimistic, like most incredible. I, I don't think you've ever been preppy. I was more focused on the assonance, consonance, rhyme. But regardless, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Hopefully this is mildly fulfilling. Hopefully I had a good time. I guess this is fulfilling. Maybe entertaining, but not certainly not fulfilling. I'm trying to close this party. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I don't have a holiday to remark upon this time incorrectly, though. Nietzsche might say it was fulfilling. Rachel, <laughs> you can't quote Nietzsche at the end of this. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Pick up... A copy of July's People. We'll be reading July's People in April. (laughs) (laughs) It is April. What are you saying? Get it? April? July? We're reading July's People in April. (laughs) This is really frightening for us. Thank you so much for listening for the fifth, sixth, seventh time. Have a wonderful two weeks. Good night. And this has been Saturday Night Live. You can't say that. Why? Did they copyright it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Good night. And this has been Saturday morning. Opposite of morning. Stop talking. Not live. <laughs> no. Stop. We have to do it for real. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please tune in next. Not next Wednesday. The week after that Wednesday. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoy July's People if you read along. Hopefully we enjoy July's People because it is compulsory for us. And have a wonderful, continued spring. Good evening. (laughs) Good night. Good night.